Welcome to another edition of the Jungle Juice Podcast. It's Sam Gormley and Mick Nelson with you on yet another Victory Wednesday. Mick, it's it's good to be here. The Jake Browning has happened again. Bengals beat the Colts. Yeah, what do those girls say behind us at the Steelers game? Is a Jake Jake Browning legacy game against the Steelers, and uh, that didn't end up happening. But uh, the Jaguars and Colts games have more than enough made up for that. So we got some Jake. Browning legacy games yeah it's it's been it's been great for him and uh, that'll definitely be a topic on on today's show talking about the Jake Browning game yet a part two as we'll recap the Bengals defeating the Colts on Sunday afternoon Uh, and then a big game happening now on Saturday Saturday weird as the Bengals take on the Vikings at 1 o'clock at Paycor Stadium. We'll break down that game as well, because I think that that game is really interesting. Because you, you've you got, like, some... Uh, the Vikings' defense is great, yet not great at the same time. It's, 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 it's a weird thing, and we can kind of talk about that. The Vikings' offense... Uh, who knows who the quarterback is? They've named a starter, but is that really they're going to be their quarterback and so on? They return maybe the best player in the NFL, though. How healthy is he? That'll be something that we'll have to talk about. We'll have our picks and so on with it as well. We want to make sure that we thank everyone for tuning in today. Is Make sure to follow us on our social media channels. The uh, WDN Today Facebook page, the Jungle Juice Facebook page, the Jungle Juice YouTube page. And also follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Mick, you ready for your country of the week of who listened to the last episode of Jungle Juice? I'm going to go with Budapest. Oh, I know that's a city. Hungary. That is a Hungary. city. Hungary. Uh, it is not Hungary. You're not on the right continent. You got to oh. go down to Panama. Panama. So thank you really? to our listener from Panama for listening last week to last week's episode of the show. And if you're back this week, Welcome back. We appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us this way as well. But first, Mick, I think it's good to start off with some of the news from the week uh, because I think that uh, I think the news is kind of twofold before we dive into the recap of the Colts game. And I think the first one came out late last week before the Colts game, and that was that the NFL came out and said, Bengals, you were in full compliance with the Joe Burrow injury and nothing was wrong to begin with. And I think Bengal fans everywhere were saying, Thanks. That's what we've been trying to tell you this entire time. And then there, there, there was a few Bengals fans who were like, well, of course the NFL wasn't going to find anything wrong because they find something wrong. Then that just makes them immediately liable in the Dave Portnoy's lawsuit. And uh, <laughs> I think that's a bunch of BS. Yeah, I don't think there was anything wrong with, uh, with the way the injury was handled. And uh, glad we can finally put this to bed. And, uh, you know, I hope the Bengals... Uh, you know, maybe punch back against Dave Portnoy a little bit just for, you know, just for a little bit of fun here. I didn't realize we were going to start. Well, I guess I kind of expected that we were going to get some anti barstool stuff to open up in this, in this broadcast for, or from Mick, but Hey, you know what? It, it works. And I'm not necessarily going to disagree. No, I'm I really just, gl- I like the barstool brand. Don't get me wrong. It's really cool. It's a really nice brand. Uh, a lot of funny stuff they do, but yeah, this thing just starts me. I'm just I'm just glad that this is one of these things now that we we could move on. Yeah. Like I, I never really considered it being an issue because I mean you you read into it like my biggest thing from the opening moment, and I think I said it when we did the emergency podcast the Friday night that the injury was released earlier that day. 
And I think I said something along the lines of, what benefit did the Bengals have into lying about that? And there was none. None. I mean, I couldn't figure out a benefit. It's like, do you really think the Ravens, if Joe Burrow was put on the practice on the on the practice report of being full participant in practice with a right wrist injury, was that going to change anything they were going to do? No. They're really no. good defense. They weren't going to change anything. The only thing I can think of is like they just dial up the pass rush more and like, oh well, Joe Burrow's wrist is hurt. He doesn't have enough zip on the ball. We might uh you know, we might be a little more laxed in our coverage, or maybe we're not doubling guys as much, and uh, we're rushing more people and trying to get them on the ground. It seemed like they were just doing that anyways. But uh, that's the only like benefit I would think the Bengals would have is that like, oh, they don't want the they don't want the Ravens to dial up the pass rush on them or anything like that. So, I mean, that's the only thing I could think of, which I think would be a pretty poor reason not to disclose an injury. Yes, I, I I completely agree, and I just I'm just it's I'm glad that this is not a thing, and we are instead can just move on and talk about other things, which is what we can do right now as well. Because I think the other big interesting thing before we dive specifically into the Bengals aspect of this is that we're starting to get into interesting playoff discussions. Everybody's seven and six. You yes. get a seven and six. You get a seven and six. Because Everybody. right now, the Bengals are currently in 10th place in the <laughs> AFC, but they are tied with six teams for both 6th and 7th, and they're one game back behind the Joe Flacco-led Cleveland Browns. And they play a lot of these 7-6 and six teams to end the season. Yes, they play, they play Steelers two of them, two of and them, Browns. And heck, the way the Chiefs are, are going downhill... They very well could play the Chiefs because the Chiefs are trending in the wrong direction and Denver's one game out. I would love I I don't particularly like love Russell Wilson. I don't necessarily dislike him, but I would get thorough enjoyment if the Broncos win that division and Kansas City has to go on the road or something in the first round, or even better if Kansas City gets knocked out of the playoffs to you know the Bengals get in above them because of everything. I don't see there really being a path. But I would get thorough enjoyment out of that. Yeah, I mean, if they win, if Broncos win the division, and, and not to get too off topic here, but uh, that really would just speak to Sean Payton's coaching acumen, which it's already Hall of Fame resume as is. But you go out and you win the AFC West with Patrick Mahomes, and it's not like the Chiefs had a lot of roster turnover this year or anything like that uh, compared to last year. So, yeah, I don't know. Crazy. Seven and six everywhere. Uh you know, parody, parody has never been. Uh, there's never been more parody in the league than there is this year. I don't think. I do want to at least let's spend like thirty seconds. Okay, you know what? I'm going to set the timer. We're right now at the live count. It's at seven forty-five. So we're going to get thirty seconds to talk about how Patrick Mahomes a whiner. Ready? Go. He's a whiner. I. It was offsides, and I'm just like, I don't know. It was offside. Why is Why he are we that? He, he it's like he's projecting his feelings about Kadarius Tony onto the ref. It, you know, and at least he's one, doing it at the refs and not at his own teammates. So I mean, correct. It was one of those things. I've always liked Patrick Mahomes. I've respected mm -hmm. him. I don't really like the Chiefs, but I like him. But I felt like he came off really, really whiny. Okay, there we go. There's our thirty seconds. We're not gonna we're not gonna dive too far into it because I could probably talk for the next hour and a half 
on yeah. how I feel about that entire situation. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll just say this. I mean, I'm not going to let like one incident really determine like how I feel about Mahomes because I think that other than that, and 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 the going's been good, so it's kind of like you know until until the going doesn't get as good, it's when uh, those types of like you know moments of emotion come out of players. But hell, Brady chewed out refs like. It, he, he was a pretty constant in terms of chewing out refs in his entire career. And and look at the way that that guy celebrated across the league. And nobody's ever given him the label that he's whiny or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna give Patrick a little bit of a a little bit of leeway leeway here with uh, with that whole situation. I'm not. I think he looked like an absolute clown in the process of doing it. Frank, appreciate you taking the time to, to join us here Hello, on Frank. today's episode of, of Jungle Juice. Uh, how about we dive into happier notes and talk about the Bengals' 34-14 to beatdown of the Indianapolis Colts in, in what was kind of a weird game. Like, it was weirdly never in doubt, but yet it was tied at the half because the Colts scored two touchdowns in, what, like 34 seconds? to tie the game up, you know, late in the half, all because Trey Hendrickson has a a boneheaded play. It, it was just like, it was a weird game, but yet I I very much enjoyed it because I think I, I said to you, Mick, before at the end of the game, it was nice being able just to sit there in the fourth quarter and be like, ha, ah, this is nice. You know, nothing worrying about, you know, the... It's it's you know the game is never in doubt. It was great. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was a very complete win uh, by the team. It was it was a great team win. PFF has it rated as, rated as the uh, the fourth highest graded game on the season with uh, the Cardinals, Jaguars, and Niners game being games being graded uh, better. This was personally my favorite win of the season, though, just because of how dominant the team looked from start to finish. Yeah, they had a brief uh momentary lapse of uh of of outstanding play in those final you know you know that final quarter of the uh of the second quarter the final five minutes of the second quarter uh but other than that they completely dominated and you know really the defense pitched a uh a one-digit game and uh definitely the best defensive performance i think i've seen this year from the team and we've had a few of those I think Frank makes the point that I, I really wanted to start with as well is, you know, Jake Browning keeps surprising. Like, I, I will be honest, and Mick, I think you're probably in the same realm. To say my expectations for Jake Browning prior to the Steelers game were low is probably an understatement. In they fact, were, I, yeah. I, I think it, it, it might have even gotten to the point where I had no expectations. I was expecting, like, some Dorian Thompson-Robinson level of, like, conservative quarterback play. And you saw that against the Steelers a little bit. But the last two weeks, I mean, he's, I mean, if we're being honest, Mick, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, he's, been a I top, mean, if, he's been a top five quarterback these past two weeks. And, he's and, been Joe Burrow level of quarterback. If I would have told you that after the Steelers game, you probably would have sent me to the, uh, to the insane asylum. And I probably would have checked myself in too. Because there were, like, I mean, he is do- doing things that I didn't really see coming. Now we knew that Jake Browning was an accurate quarterback, mm-hmm. pretty good athlete, 
But the question was always going to be the arm strength and maybe that decision-making as to how quick he could potentially make it. And you're still seeing sometimes where some of those things will pop in, like the interception. Yeah, it wasn't like a bad decision either on the interception. It was, it was just, just a bad like, throw. Yeah, just wasn't a, a very well-located ball. I would say 95% of the time or even higher, that ball is not an interception and certainly not a pick six. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a, another great performance by Jake Browning. Um, only had six incomplete, incompletions, one of which was the pick six, and two of them were drops by T. Higgins. So, I mean, really, four, I mean, really, it should have been only four incompletions on the day, which is just crazy high in terms of, you know, completion percentage. Um, so I, yeah, I was, I was very pleased again with Jake Browning. Um, I think the AJ McCarron talk has officially been put to bed unless if, uh, Jake Browning has just a, uh, a hand cramp that he can't recover from. I, I just found it funny that they literally, I saw in yesterday's press conference with Zach Taylor, I think a reporter asked pretty much like, do you have to have a conversation with Jake to drink water? <laughs> or drink more Gatorade during the game. You could tell Zach Taylor was like, and he pretty much goes like, no, he's an adult. Like he, <laughs> it was pretty much his answer. And I just found it funny. I was like, yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. He, he's an adult. He should be able to figure that out himself. Get the man some pickle juice or something. Uh, but I, I love that AJ McCarron got to go in at least because that stadium got an extra buzz because I mean, there was a little bit of an extra buzz there for AJ McCarron, but I think the best part is that Jake Browning was okay. Yeah. Because he's been playing really well. And you always hate that when the backup quarterback comes in, starts playing well, and then gets injured. Cause that, I mean, if we're being honest, if that injury, let's say he would have broken his hand, just as an example, or broken his wrist or something like that, to where he had to miss the rest of the season, even if it wasn't that severe, but to where he had to miss multiple games and or the rest of the season, that might have been his shot. Yeah, it really, it really, it, that would have sucked for Jake Browning more than anybody. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad nothing, nothing serious was happening there. Um, like you said, the stadium did get a little bit of a jolt just because of AJ McCarron and his, uh, his history with the team and him coming out there and throwing what, you know, a touchdown that really shouldn't have been, uh, that PI I don't think should have been called when I was looking back at it again. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, uh, that could have been Jake Browning's shot too. Yeah. And I totally, uh, totally agree with that. So glad he's glad he's feeling well. And, uh, it was just a cramp to me. One of the big aspects of the offense that has really come on in these last couple of weeks. And you saw it on, I believe it was their first touchdown has been the screen game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they've had multiple screens now that have hit for big yardage over these last couple of weeks. And, you know, the first one goes to Chase Brown, who, I'll be honest, I knew he was quick. I don't know that I knew that he was quite second fastest player in the NFL this year, quick. But to me, that wasn't even the most impressive part on that play. And I think I might have said something to you live or said it to someone else or something. But Cordell Volson. On that play following ran 17.6 miles per hour, which I know Ted Karras told reporters today was the fastest alignment is run in the Zach Taylor era. And you know what? That to me is almost even more impressive. Make that man a tight end. 
tight end, just put him running back. Why not? <laughs> put him as, a, as the new Not like he's a great guard, team. so why not? <laughs> yeah, might as well see if he can uh, work out a, a skill position. H-back? Uh, H-back, Ryan Hewitt, Jeremy Johnson role. Bowie Vakapuna? I keep on forgetting that guy exists. Um <laughs> Who was the other Brian Le- was Brian Leonard in that role? What was no, he was more of a running back. I loved Brian Leonard, number 40. You can't forget about that man, the legend. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to think there was another one in that era of fullbacks post Jeremy Johnson, Seathan uh, Carter, Seathan Carter, Seathan Carter. He was more recently, and I agree with you with what Tommy says. Loves how Browning handles the screen pass, not forcing the ball out under pressure, he's waiting to let the receiver get a nice opening. And you, I think the screen game has been something that we have seen the uh, offense use a lot this season. Now, part of that early on in the year was because Joe Burrow had to get the ball out quick because he couldn't move. Yeah. But I think the philosophy of those is get the ball to your playmakers and let them make a play. Mm-hmm. And you've seen over these last couple of weeks that the playmakers are making plays. Yeah. And and it and it also helps with, you know, as you mentioned, Joe Burrow was hurt, so they knew he was getting the ball out quick. Defenses knew that. Where teams aren't necessarily expecting screens all the time, albeit that you do have a, a backup quarterback in. But you know, now that you're you're not being nearly as predictable with, with using screens all the time, they turn out to be a lot more effective against opposing defenses. So and uh really just Jake Browning's ability to uh, feel out that game and, and and pretty much feel out the quarterbacking process in general. Um, no, he doesn't have the best arm in the world, but dude's wickedly smart. Um, obviously, has the pedigree in college, and you know I think that just his lack of tools just kept him from being drafted. And uh, you know, we very well like if if. Not to get off topic again here, but if the Bengals didn't sign him to the active roster in week 18 of last year, I don't think he's on the team. We might have had backup quarterback Trevor Simeon. Yeah. And this is crazy. I mean, yes, it just shows you the things in the NFL. Uh, I know Frank writes in here and says, Why has Chase Brown never been used? I think that what it sounds like, and again, I, I always I always like on these podcasts, Mick, uh, that are hosted by fans like us, is pe- people always like to talk like, well, we're hearing, you know. Yeah, it's like we don't, I mean, we're, we're just, for the most part, regurgitating information that we've read from reporters on the inside. And I know Paul Daner Jr. on uh, Hear That Podcast Growling by The Athletic, which is a great Bengals podcast. It's the second best Bengals podcast behind ours, Mick. Um he said that pretty much that the thought process was is that that game before Chase or after Chase Brown got hurt. So that week in practice that Chase Brown got hurt, that was the game that they were finally going to start adding him more and more to the offense. Then he hurt his hamstring that week in practice. So because of that, it drops all the way down and he dropped and he's had to kind of bring himself back up. So I think if he doesn't get hurt, you would have been seeing some of this back week seven, eight, or whatever it was, six. I can't remember exactly which game it was that he got injured. So yeah. I think that's more of what you're seeing, but I think we're seeing this, and it's also something you see a lot with with these young college running backs, especially in later rounds. 
you see this where it happens about eight, nine, ten games into the season where they finally start getting used more because the NFL running back, I mean, it's just a whole different game. It is. They're grown men on those defensive lines. There is and, a and difference. Scheme, scheme is there's so much of a different scheme as opposed to what these running backs are running in college, too. I mean, you know, you're in college, you're probably running more friendly, you know, running back friendly schemes. Uh, the offenses are a lot more spread out. In the NFL, the offenses are way more compact. It's way more in between the tackle running. It's way more gap scheme. It's um, so, yeah, th there's definitely more of a learning curve for NFL running backs as opposed to like NFL wide receivers, I would say, you know, coming from college in the draft. So, yeah. And, and, and I mean, you also go with a point too of, you know, you have, he's going from going up against the Northwestern defensive line in the big 10 to Cam Hayward, you know, mm -hmm. Aaron Donald's, you know, and so on like TJ Watts. It's just a completely different animal. And I mean, I think that we've seen over these last couple of weeks, his speed and his shiftiness. And I really like what he has here of, um, and you're seeing it over these last couple of weeks is kind of a thunder and lightning. He's a real with, change with of pace. Joe Mixon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, th I think it's it's interesting to see what we've seen from Chase Brown over the game. But I still, even in a way, Mick, that even Chase Brown, Jake Browning, all of these standouts on the offense. But to me, that's not even maybe the player of the game on offense or players. The Bengals offensive line, zero sacks. It ended a stretch of like 45 straight games allowing a sack. Zero on Saturday uh, on Sunday. Something that we talked at length about last week, Mick, how the Colts were the second highest sack total in the NFL. And Jake Browning not only wasn't sacked, he really wasn't even pressured by the Bengals. I mean, by the Colts defense. So the Colts only had six pressures against the Bengals on Sunday. And three of them were given up by tight ends. That's how good the, the the starting five offensive linemen were in the game. And uh, you know, not you know, it, not to take anything away from the offensive linemen. They had a great game, you know, but we kind of look back to the struggles they've had, especially when Burrow has been the quarterback of the team. And, you know, not to put any uh, you know, shame on Joe Burrow or anything like that. But part of me kind of wonders is like, is Burrow messing around with the protections too much at the line of scrimmage? Uh, because I just think you're seeing a, an entirely different way that the offensive line is playing under Jake Browning. Now, you know, obviously Jake Browning's in and defenses are giving way like, you know, way more different looks than what they're giving Burrow. And that might be the reason why, you know, the protection seems to be off or, you know, because of the scheme that defense is running on the other side. But yeah, I, it, it definitely makes me wonder like, how much, how much, you know, how much leeway are they giving Joe in terms of determining what his protections are and, and everything else in, involving the offense? I really think Joe Burrow gets to do whatever he wants, and, and rightfully so. Um, but yeah, it's just weird that we're seeing like the offensive line have, you know, this big of a turnaround in the, in the past couple of weeks, and against some good defensive lines too. I mean, Colts uh, yeah. second most sacks, Jaguars pretty solid defensive line as well. Now I'll be very interested here in a couple of minutes. We're going to talk here in, a, in uh, 
a little bit about the Vikings defensive line and the Vikings pressure. We'll come back to that in a little bit. It'll be a new challenge and another one adding on here to the Bengals. Nick, I got to ask, did, did you like send Tommy five bucks? I don't know, but I'm loving here? the love from Tommy today. <laughs> we need I to guess, get Tommy back on pretty soon here. <laughs> this is the only reason you want him back on because he just praises you the entire time, right? <laughs> no, not at all. Tommy's uh, the best, man. <laughs> I do also want to make sure that we mention we're talking about Jake Browning and even you mentioned Joe Burrow. I really liked after the game how Jake Browning made the comment that Joe Burrow let him have his suite. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Uh, I mean, obviously, Burrow, he, he, he bought that suite probably for his family to come, and there's probably no point for his parents to come to all these games since he's not he's not playing in it. I know I saw his girlfriend, fiance, whatever she might be. No one really knows. Um, in, in the press box, <laughs> Olivia, yes, Olivia Holtmacher, uh, I think is how you say her last name. She was in the in the uh, box there with him. But I love that they asked Jake Browning. It was kind of like, was that your suite? He's like, no. He's like, I didn't buy one of those. He's like, I I can't afford that. And uh, they asked him again. Uh, it might be in the contract. It probably right? is. It probably I, I is would like it that. Is. But even then, it's not like Joe Burrow can't afford a suite in the Bengals. But still. Uh, but And then I found it funny that yesterday when they asked Jake Browning, saying, are you going to be back in that today or on Saturday? His line was something like, well, I don't know. My family might uh, be getting a little cocky up there. They might need to go out in the cold. He's like, I can, I can live with the cold, so they might have to get kicked out in the cold, which I – which I found funny, but I think it also just shows the kind of person that Joe Burrow is, that he was willing to give that um, up to uh, to Jake to allow his family to come and see him for, I think, one of the first times. Yeah, I, I really do like we're seeing Joe as, as a leader other than being the quarterback of the team right now, which it sucks that, you know, he had the season-ending injury, but, you know, that, that hasn't stopped him, I don't think, from making a huge impact on on the team and a huge impact on the way Jake's played. Uh, it seems like Joe is heavily involved with everything that's still going on with the offense, albeit just from the sidelines. Obviously he's showing uh, Jake Browning's family some love with the whole sweet situation. So yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, it, it was a very, uh, very cool gesture by Burrow to, uh, to do that and, and what he's done, you know, in these past few weeks, given all the adversity he's faced. I know one of the things that I, I think Paul Daner was talking about on his podcast was that Burrow has been very good about pretty much he is in every single meeting. So he, he has spent time in the linebackers meeting. He spent time in the defensive line meeting. He spent time in the DBs meeting and so on because his philosophy, and it's the smart way, is since I can't play, let me learn how they're doing things to make me an even better leader and an even better player. And I think that's another aspect of the game that he it's got to be interesting because I think those guys probably really appreciate it because I know Jake Browning would always sit into, I think it was the DB's meeting. Mm -hmm. He would always be in there because it brings a different philosophy. You know, the defensive backs are thinking about it as the defensive philosophy, but Jake Browning could come in there and say, hey, me as the quarterback, we're thinking this. And you never know if it's not something that the DB is thinking about. So yeah, I think I, that, that up there is really a, a smart decision by Burrow, not just for himself, but for the team as a whole as well. That's why you pay your guy $275 million. And also, I wonder if this like more think tank philosophy with like, hey, getting some offensive players involved in, in the other side's meetings. Uh, 
I wonder how common that is in the league, because I feel like that I, I feel like that should be such a beneficial thing from from all sides. Because yeah, the defensive players are getting into the minds of what the quarterbacks and and other offensive players are thinking. And and vice versa. So I wonder how commonplace that is in the NFL, or if the Bengals are really one of the only few teams that do it. Uh, be interested to kind of look into that and see uh, see how other teams or how the league as a whole approaches uh, that whole that whole situation. Yeah, it's one of those things. If if they're not doing it, they should. Yeah, because it, it's it's a really intelligent way, especially when I mean at the quarterback position. These guys are so intelligent. Like it's just on on knowing the game inside and out, but so are those defensive backs, so are those defensive linemen, and you can really learn so much from one another with that. Speaking of the defense, I mean, you, Mick, you mentioned it right off the start, holds the Colts to seven points, mm-hmm. and and really those seven points were only because Trey Hendrickson lost his mind there for a couple of seconds on a roughing the passer play, and that's what extended the drive. The Bengals' defense was getting ready to get off the field. They bailed it out. I know we were talking to your uh, to Troy, who is a Colts fan, and he was, uh, I think, what did he describe it as the worst offensive performance for the Colts? Since- uh, that's what Troy said. Uh, let's see. I actually want to see what where PFF has this uh, has this offensive performance. Well, the, the Troy rating system said it was the worst offensive performance in a long time for the Colts, and that's what matters most to me, Mick. PFF has it as a middle of the road performance this year, uh, but I think it also Nicole. just shows that that offense is is just they have a backup quarterback. They were playing technically with a backup running back as well, and I think you're really seeing it. Michael Pittman had a pretty good game. You know they went to him often, but I think one of the reasons and the underrated reasons is I think why that deep that offense didn't have as much success is because the Bengals defense their Achilles heel. Really, it feels like since I've been alive has been the tight end position. And the Colts, yes, their one touchdown on offense was to a tight end. But if we're being honest, they don't really have a tight end. We talked about this on the show last week. We did. And, and I think you saw that. Now, guess what? On, uh, there's a tight end on Saturday. We'll <laughs> talk about that in a few minutes. There's a top three tight end on Saturday. Actually, no, top 10, top two. Top two tight end yeah, on Sunday yeah. now. He's, he's kind of good. Enough. Let's talk about him in a couple of minutes. But I think that that is an interesting game. And I have not gone through and looked to see if the defense, the best games they played all season have been against teams that don't have great tight ends. Um, I'll uh, I'll, but, I'll uh, get into the PFF grades here and just kind of So I'm trying see. to think of games that stand out. Rams, they have a pretty decent tight end. Yeah, they, Tyler Higby. Who, Higby? Yeah, Tyler Higby is elite, elite tight end. Okay, well, I'll let you. I'll let you talk nonsense here for however uh, long you want to do that. I mean, when's the last so, time Marshall had a tight end drafted in the league? Western Kentucky's had multiple. I don't know any tight ends. We had a, a decent tight end in Cody Slate. Uh, I think that's. I mean, like, you you had like Mitchell Henry, rest in peace, Jack Doyle, Captain Jack, in there. I mean, Bengal, uh, the tops have had multiple, but still the tight end, the tight end U of G five schools is yes. Yes, it is. Yes. 100%. And, and of quarterbacks. Uh, but still, I, I think it's interesting with that. Hey, you know what, Tommy, I, I gotta support my tops. Gotta support okay. the WK, you guys. So before you get on your point here, uh, Colts, but you know, the, here's the top five defensive graded games for the Bengals. Okay. Let's go with that. Number one Colts, no tight ends. 
Number two, Jaguars, Evan Ingram, but he's not really a tight end. He's a wide receiver. Um, Jason Rader, do not know the name. My dad probably knows it, Tommy. Um, Rams, Tyler Higby, uh, not very good uh, if you're me. and you have He's the average. He, you, at least he is an average tight end. I would say he is in the bottom two-thirds of starting tight ends wow. in the league. For Arizona Cardinals, uh, the Trey McBride show didn't start coming out until these past couple of weeks, so we'll say probably no. Like Zacherts is is a, is a is a shell of himself. And then number five, uh, Niners, uh, in which George George Kittle absolutely uh, absolutely him. smoked us. Yeah. So, <laughs> what's the what's the worst two? Can you do you have that or worst two? The or worst three? two, and actually one of them. So the worst two, the worst one is the Tennessee Titans game, which they don't really have a. Uh, no, they do not have a tight end. Yeah, they, I mean they got Chigakakwo, who's okay, but uh, Ravens, Mark Andrews. I mean that's that's pretty good. And then the third, the Seahawks. I mean, who's that? Noah Fant, not very. Jimmy good. Graham. He's on the Saints. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Just I love he's still in the league too. Like 40-year-old Jimmy Graham. I I did see a post in the Houday Nation group a couple of weeks ago saying that we should sign Jimmy Graham. And I think it might have been our good friend Alex Schubert who commented being like, he will be 75 years old next year. Like, we do not need Jimmy Graham. I can't believe he's in the league. I can't Uh, can't believe it either. Uh, Anyways, so yeah, like your point, uh, they did not play It's not a perfect science, but but it is. I mean, there is something to say. Now, that's not necessarily the case for Saturday, but uh, you know, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, uh, Colts? Or oh, there, do you want to do our seeming seamless transition? There are a few things actually, okay, uh, because I want to give the defense a lot of love here. Um, first of all, uh, like I said, this was the highest rated game by PFF by the defense, and I, I, I definitely agree with that. And the craziest part is is that the pass rush wasn't even that great in this game. Yeah, they had four sacks. They only had eight pressures in the game. Uh, now, it turns out that half of those pressures turned out to be highly impactful plays, which is a good thing. But this was definitely the best uh, coverage game the Bengals have had all year. Cheeto looks like his old self to, uh, on Sunday, um, having, having a, a pass breakup and only giving up three receptions for 18 yards on six targets, we got to give a shout out to the coming out party of DJ Ivy, who, you know, he only had 10 snaps, but he uh, definitely wasn't. They impact. were impactful. Yep, they were impactful. He was targeted three times in those 10 snaps, only allowing one reception for four yards, also had a pass breakup. So, and also yeah. forced the fumble and got the fumble recovery. I he mean, did. Did. yeah, and special teams. It was a yes. great coming out party for DJ Ivy. Uh, the run defense was spectacular. The Colts are usually a pretty good running team. And, uh, you know, they limited them to 46 yards on 18 attempts, only uh, 2.6 yards per carry against uh, a run-heavy team. So, yeah, I mean, and then Hendrickson, Trey Hendrickson also had a really good game. Two sacks, four pressures, was the team's almost, pretty much the team's entire pass rush. And it's kind of been the, it's kind of been in that sense all season uh, for for the defense. So, uh, yeah, just a great performance from the defense, and uh, I'm hoping they can build off of that. He won't, but Trey Anderson needs to be mentioned in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. 
I think he's in conversation for an all pro. But because yeah. player of the year, I, I don't know. He, he won't. I mean, he's 13 and a half sacks, right? In that's, terms of like impact on the defense, I feel like he should be in that category for sure. Yes. And that's, I mean, he's been the best player on defense, but I, I, I mean, I all pro without question, he should be in there. Bradley Wright says the young DBs are starting to step up. Cheetos is getting fully healthy. Yeah, I agree with that. Safeties and linebackers kept the middle clean. ADG being back is great. Extra rush support needs a solid coverage guy. Yeah, uh, uh, Cheetah, yeah. Cheetah does look like he's pretty much healthy and back. Uh, yeah. His grade has gotten a lot better throughout the year. Um, he's starting to turn back into his old self. Uh, if there's one bad note I want to talk about, though, uh, DJ Turner had a really bad game for the second game in a row. Uh, gave up five receptions for 77 yards in the game. Uh, Pittman had most of his damage in, done against Turner, in which Pittman had... I want to say close to 60 receiving yards against Turner. So other than that, though, I mean, everything on the defense was great, but DJ Turner is going to have to figure it out this week against a much better receiving core. Bengals take on the Vikings. You did finish everything yes. you wanted to yep. get out there. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that I did. Bengals Vikings on Saturday at 1 p.m. on NFL Network. Uh, the are you ready for the broadcast crew here, Mick? Do you know the broadcasting crew? Is it the guy with the big old with the big ears? I know he's on there. Oh, NFL. no, uh, Andrew Siciliano. No, okay. it is Chris Rose, Jason McCordy, and okay. Steve Weich. I know who two of those guys are. You would recognize Chris Rose without question. Well, let's uh, look and and Steve White, you would absolutely recognize as well. And obviously, you know Jason McCourty. That game's going to be on NFL Network. The ruler of the jungle will be Leon Hall, former Bengals legend. Defensive back is going to be making his return uh, to Cincinnati. And Mick, your official for Saturday's game, Bill Vinovich. Oh, I know that name. Did he do Bengals. one of the uh, playoff games? You are correct. The Bengals are 7-9 and nine all-time. In games, Bill Vinovich has been the head official. Notable games include the 2022 AFC Championship when the Bengals beat the Chiefs, the Packers game in 2021, which I just wanted to make mention just because that game was so wild, Mm -hmm. A.J. McCarron against the Broncos, and Bengals-Packers 2005. Oh, I was at that game. I know you were, and that game is well known as the the game that the Burger King guy came onto the field and took the football for Brett Favre. It was a great time. Correct. There's an interesting connection to that game as well for Zach Taylor. Well, his father, his father-in-law was the head coach of the Packers, right? Correct. The head coach of the Packers was Mike Sherman, who is his father-in-law. So there you go. So those are some of the games. Does that mean anything at all? No. But I just it also just shows you how long Bill Vinovich has been around. He's been around since for he quite, was a, then. quite a while. 2004 was his first year as a head referee, which he's got to be the longest tenured head referee. I, would, I feel like we've had a lot of turnover. So. If not, he is, he is definitely up there in that realm. The injury report. For this game, for the Bengals, Joe Bocci did not practice today. Now, that's big for special teams. He's one of their big special teams, linebacker, depth as a starter in that realm. Uh, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and DJ Turner were all limited in practice today. 
I know that Jamar Chase said today uh, he hurt his ankle on a play early on in that game against the Colts, but uh, he pretty much said, yeah, I'm playing. Don't worry about it. 100%, I think was his exact words. For the Vikings, Alexander Madison, the starting running back, did not practice today. Jalen Naylor did not practice today. He is Justin Jefferson's backup. Brian O'Neill, who is their starting right tackle, did not practice today either. Mick, on their depth chart, do you know who the Vikings' backup right tackle is? Who would be slated to start in place of Brian O'Neill? The the guy I wanted the Bengals to keep instead of Jackson Carmen. Hakeem Adeniji yep. might have a revenge game as the right tackle. Uh, Justin Jefferson and Dalton Reisner were also limited in practice, but Justin Jefferson, it came out today, Adam Schefter said, he gonna play. So you're going to get Chase versus Jefferson um, on Saturday afternoon there at Paycor Stadium. And I just really wish Burrow and Cousins, because this, this here's the thing. If Bur- this was Burrow, Cousins, Chase, Jefferson, this probably would be Saturday night. Yeah. In prime time, because I think both of these teams would be, I mean, technically they're both playing for playoff spots right now, but I think there would be a lot of hype around this game, and this would not be the Saturday 1 o'clock game. Regardless, we've got a backup quarterback battle. Former Viking Jake Browning against Nick Mullins. Talk about him in a few minutes. How about we go Bengals offense versus the Vikings defense first? Breaking that down, Mick. I've got some stats, but do you uh, do you want to jump out first, or you want to you want the stats I'll, first? I'll let you do the stats first here. Vikings fifth best total defense in the NFL based on just pure yardage. Uh, if you if you, if you're a yards guy, there you go. But if you dive deeper into that, they're 14th against the past, against the pass, fourth in yards per attempt rushing, which I think is a decent enough way to look at how good of a team is at stopping the run. 3.7 yards a rush. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty darn good. Interesting thing with the pass in a stat that can be a little bit misleading. They are fifth in yards after catch allowed in the NFL. Now that can be inflated a little bit because you can have, you know, busted coverage that can allow for that. uh, You know, it could mean just really good plays made by wide receivers you've gone up against. So it, it, you, you know, you can read into that what you want, but I think it is worth noting Uh, some negatives that they have 23rd in the league in third down defense, not good at getting off the field on third down. But when you talk about this Vikings defense, you got to start with talking about the blitzing. First in the league in blitz percentage. They have blitzed 44 times more than any other team in the league. They blitz 47.4% of, a t- of, of, of plays. That is an absurd number. Absurd number. Now, they rank in the middle of the road, though, on sacks, bottom tier in quarterback knockdowns, but the upper tier in hurries. So it's interesting. They blitz a lot, but they're not necessarily the most successful team at actually getting to the quarterback. But they do boast a really good defensive lineman, one of the top sack guys in the league this year, and Daniel Hunter. Those are my stats, Mick. 13 and a half sacks for Daniel Hunter for that Vikings defense. If you asked, if you put this description together and said, you know, didn't give me any team names or anything like that, these things you asked me, Put a defensive coordinator's name on on these stats. <laughs> I would tell you Brian Flores, 100%. Well, see, and it's um, interesting because, and I had forgotten about this. Zach Taylor and Brian Flores, 
not friends. Not friends. They don't exchange Christmas really? cards. Really? And if you think back, I had completely forgotten. Game? Yes. Okay. The Dolphins, when there was the little skirmish. I, this actually might have been 2020. No, 2019. There was a skirmish. And Brian Flores went at Zach Taylor. And I'd forgotten all about this. But it was interesting because in the press conference earlier this week, they were asking Zach Taylor about Brian Flores and his defense. And usually Zach Taylor is very like, oh, yeah, you know, great. They're they're awesome. You know, da-da-da-da-da. He was a lot more like they blitz a lot. Like it was, there was not much praise for Brian Flores, which I just appreciate because Zach Taylor just seems like the guy that everybody is friends with, and, and he's friends with everybody. It, it was twenty twenty. I thought so. Okay. Uh, Quentin Spain. That's right. Quentin Spain was the only lineman in that spat. Bengals legend. But Brian Flores and Zach Taylor were kind of in the middle of that. So I just found it interesting that there's the Brian Flores Zach Taylor rivalry, which I personally love. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I even remember that. I'm not going to lie. That was one of I the Brandon Allen games. That was one I of the it. early Brandon Allen games, probably where I was like depressed. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's a, that's a good description of a Brian Flores defense. He blitzes the hell out of opposing teams and runs press man coverage, which, you know, uh, can go wrong at t- at times, which uh, kind of explains why the corners on his teams have graded poorly, and uh, the pass rush is actually rated as the worst in the league this year. Believe it or not, according to PFF grading, yes, they have Daniel Hunter, but the rest of their uh, pass rush doesn't really show, and that's probably why they have to blitz so much because they can't generate any with only four guys. So. Yeah, it's going to be an intriguing matchup for Jake Browning. Um, The Vikings do have a pretty good safety duo in Cameron Bynum and Harrison Smith, who are both very good against the pass and the run. Uh, I would say they're probably at least the top 10 safety duo in the league. Uh, And like we've mentioned before, the the Bengals will have to find a way to to deal with Daniil Hunter, who is having uh, a pretty good season uh, with 14 sacks. Yeah, it, it, it'll be really interesting. To me, this, this is it right here. Bengals offense versus the Vikings defense will tell us who wins this game. I, I, I really think that because if the Bengals offense can offset the pass rush, I, I don't know that this offense can score at quite the level. Now, I, more so just based on the quarterback. Because so, I have questions when it comes to Nick Mullins. See, I would say it's the other. I would say it's the Vikings offense versus the Bengals defense, and not just because I want to go devil's advocate here, but uh, there is one aspect of the Vikings offense that scares the hell out of me, and yes, TJ Hawkinson is involved um, with the tight end problem, but uh, the Vikings have a very good receiving core with players that aren't just TJ Hawkinson. As you mentioned before, when healthy, they have the best receiver in the entire league in in, in Justin Jefferson. Jordan Addison has had a very good year uh, in, in his first year in the league and, uh, you know, filled the Jefferson role quite admirably. Um, K.J. Osborne, good wide receiver number three. So 
you know, our coverage showed up last week for the most part, but DJ Turner against Addison or Jefferson does not, um, that's going to be, that's going to be a matchup to, to kind of look at because DJ Turner hasn't had the greatest of, of games the past two weeks. And he's going up against uh, much better receivers in this game. I think Tommy brings up the point here where I kind of feel a little bit better. Nick Mullins, 25 games, 17 starts. In those games, 27 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. He is very susceptible to throwing bad throws and throwing interceptions. And that's, I mean, to, to play on to your point, if this Bengals defense can take advantage of it, because Minshew really didn't have many bad throws, at least off no. the off the realm, because I guess it was what, what, one interception, and really, was that even an interception? I mean, it was, technically it was an interception, but really that's almost a fumble, you know, yeah. as far as the B.J. Hill one. Yeah, uh, I, if you look at Minshew's performance, and the reason why it was kind of like a non-factor is just because, it wasn't because, like you said, it wasn't because he's making bad throws, but the offense just never seemed to get into a rhythm in the game against the Bengals last week. So I think it kind of de- de- depends on whether Mullins can get the Vikings offense in a rhythm. Now, I do think he's better than Joshua Dobbs. Um, I think Joshua that- Dobbs is, is vastly overrated. So I think you're going to have a better passer back there than, than what the Vikings have had out there the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean that's a low bar. Yeah, better I, better than better than just, Josh Dobbs. He's just being talked about as the as the best backup quarterback in the league like a month ago. Yeah, and I never believed that. I anyways, uh, I mean, I think the Vikings had to make a trade. Like, I don't fault them for that. And yes, he came off the bench and won that game on Monday Monday night, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I can't, couldn't even tell you who they beat that night. Was that when they beat the Bears? No, they lost to the Bears on Monday night. Okay, um, I'm trying to think who he came off the bench and beat. Um, oh, uh, I watched Vikings. that game. Viking or no, Saints. Saints. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I think uh, it was the Saints game. But uh, to me, and you mentioned, we mentioned Justin Jefferson. We could talk. I mean, we could spend the next three hours talking about how good of a player Justin Jefferson is. But as we mentioned about 20 minutes ago here, to me, it's it's T.J. Hawkinson. And that's another key is, can the Bengals not let him lose his freaking mind? Uh, because yeah. I, I don't know what his over-under is as far as yardage. In fact, I'm going to probably see if I can't look if it's even been posted yet. I'm, I, I will probably smash the over. Just because the Bengals have not been good at covering elite tight ends this year. And he is, like you mentioned, Mick, an argument could be made. I think an argument could be made might even be the best tight end in the NFL. You could make that argument. Top two. Top two right now because Mark Andrews is hurt. But, uh, yeah, it's been pretty good this year. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's... that's oh, gosh, a, it's uh, 52 and a half. Isn't that free money? Under? Isn't that free money? That's a pretty high mark. Um, it's not, like, out of this world high. Oh, wait, 52 and a half receiving yards? Yes, Oh, I was thinking of over under total for the game. Uh, oh but no, yeah. that, for for TJ Hawkinson, fifty two and a half receiving yards. I think I uh, am going to now. Don't take my betting advice, but I, I, I would I like think that. about take. I wonder. 
Fryermuth went off for like 130 yards a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Uh, Justin Jefferson 75 and a half on there, which I'd is I take the under. Oh, I agree. No, I don't know. Depends on how injured the guy is. Exactly, and, and who who's going to be matched up with them the whole game? Like if Cheeto. Turner's against them, you think it's going to be Cheeto? Then, well, I don't know. He went up against Cheeto two years ago, and. <laughs> torched him so uh that's uh I then don't again know. he does that to a lot of cornerbacks he does not no yeah not saying it's because cheeto's bad i'm just saying cheeto was really good in 2021 and uh jefferson torched him so yeah so yeah i think the vikings offense versus the bengals defense is going to be like the much more telling matchup here and see, I, I just I want to see what Jake Browning can do because I'm waiting, and it might just be me being the pessimist, is I'm waiting for the the stretch where Jake Browning throws two picks in three drives. And, yeah. and and then the question is, is does he then turn into what we thought we were gonna get from Jake Browning? Or is it going to be like if he has a sequence like Burrow did against the Steelers last year at home? Mm-hmm where it was about as bad as it possibly could have gone. How does he respond for something like that? Because it's probably inevitable for him to have something like that in these last couple of weeks. And I think with the blitzing coming from the Vikings, now we've touched on it. They're not necessarily great at getting there, but it's still coming a lot, something that he really isn't necessarily as quite used to. That could potentially bring up the opportunity to for him to maybe force some things to where those interceptions could potentially come more likely. That's why yeah. I'm more interested in that is to how he can potentially deal with that or how the offensive line, if they continue playing that the way that they have, maybe that's the difference in the game. Yeah. I really wish Burrow was playing in this game, not because of like what you said about Jake Browning, like are the wheels going to fall off, but just given how much Flores blitzes and how good Burrow is against a blitz. Like this could have been like one of the best game of Burrow's career games of Burrow's career. Uh, but I think, I think, you know, just given what we've seen with Browning, I think, uh, you know, I think he should be able to handle it just fine. Um, you know, he's got that escapability factor too, uh, you know, so he might be scrambling a little bit with blitzers coming, but um I don't know. I, I I am a little worried with what you said there because not to bring it up again, but the whole Josh Dobbs situation where, you know, people were thinking he was the best backup in the league for a couple of weeks and then completely fallen off the rails. And now he's back to where he was. Could that same thing happen to Jake Browning? We don't know. I mean, that's why we watch the games get played, but yeah, you know, and, that's and why I think- I'm not really holding my breath on Jake Browning's like long-term success in this league. Yeah, and I mean, I, I made the point last week, and I think I think that we will ask this question for the remainder of this season because I don't know no. that we'll ever really get the answer. Is you know, is Jake Browning Gardner Minshew as far as being a a or Ryan Fitzpatrick? You know, your solid backup quarterbacks that can get in there and win you some games, or is he Ryan Finley? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's definitely not Ryan Finley at this point. We give him a little. Give them a little bit of credit. Both, both players won on Monday Night Football and upset victories. Give them a little more credit. 
but but see, I think we're gonna ask that question of even if you don't want to use Ryan, is he Josh Dobbs? You know what? Yeah, that, what that would be kind of, the yeah. That's or is he like what, a Taylor Heineke or uh, which Taylor Heineke is kind of on the better end of backup. Yeah, I, I would say I think that's gonna be the question of, and I think really it can go even further of, is Jake Browning the backup quarterback next year? Now that that so. that yeah. could be a multifaceted question too of. He could play himself. Now, I know that Tommy made a good post in, in Houday Nation about his contract, about how he is a restricted free agent, which means Bengals, which means he's pretty much not a free agent. It is pretty much what restricted free agent is because you it, it's, it's messy with NFL contracts. It'll be something that we can talk about in the offseason. But the Bengals have his rights to where he will be the backup quarterback here if he wants, but you never know. Uh, what, what could potentially happen between now and March when they'll have to make that decision. Uh, mm-hmm. But how about uh, some keys to the game? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that the key to victory on the offense is uh, – this one's tough. I'm just going to get with limiting the turnovers uh, because they've done a really good job of limiting the turnovers the past couple of weeks, and they've won football games. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, on defense, uh, they got to find a way to generate a pass rush against a really good offensive line in, in Minnesota and, and to give some of that pressure to Nick Mullins, who's making his first uh, start uh, of the season. So, and they've also, you know, and We've we've seen it, you know, a few times throughout the season where the Bengals haven't covered the greatest against good receiving units, but the pass rush has bailed them out, uh, and they've ended up having a good defensive game. Uh, the first game that comes to mind in, in that respect is the Seattle game in Week Five. So, yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the pass rush again, which it seems like I go with that every week, but. Uh, just to point out that they are dealing with a really good offensive tackle duo. If if Brian O'Neill is able to play, uh, Darrison O'Neill have uh, are probably a top five tackle uh, duo in the league. You mean if Hakeem Adeniji gets to start, they're no longer a top five tackle duo. I can't say that they are, even though he did start in the Super Bowl with us. He did. He did, but he started at guard, not tackle. No. Yeah. Started in tackle AFC Championship last year, and look where that Correct. got us. Correct. Oh, Hakeem Adeniji. Hakeem Adeniji. Uh, game will be again on the NFL Network on Saturday. I do believe I read, though, that if you're in the Cincinnati area, and I would assume if you live in the Minneapolis area as well, that it'll be on local TV. I think locally in Cincinnati, it'll be on WCPO, which is the ABC affiliate, Channel 9, there in town. You'll be able to watch the game that way, or if you have NFL Network, you can watch that. And Chris Rose, Jason McCourty, Steve Weich will be on the call. Leon Hall is the ruler of the jungle. At halftime, they're going to recognize Ted Karras for his Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. I would assume that, I guess, his wife or his family or something will accept the award on his behalf, or I don't really know what they're going to be doing. Maybe everyone will get a Cincy hat. I, 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 I don't know what will happen. But And Bill Vinovich is the official again. Mick? Our picks of the week. Who wins between the Bengals and the Vikings on Saturday afternoon? Oh, wait. Before we get into that, too, we have to mention, too, what Zach Taylor said. Drake. Yesterday. 
Drink he more. said everyone gets to drink, has to take one more drink. So are you accepting his challenge, Mick? I'll take a lot more drinks. We don't, don't have, have anything to, to do. Yeah, it's Saturday. Just, yeah, you don't have to what work the next after day. The game? You want to grab, grab some dinner? We might be able to do that. We can work something yeah. out. Yes, because yeah. Kentucky plays North Carolina, too, that next day. Uh, yes, go vote for Ted Karras, too. Uh, you can do that. This was, uh, is this a voting thing? It, part of the voting is that way, is a fan vote. Um, so you can find really? that information. Just give it a Google, and you'll be able to find that. We'll be okay. sure to post it to I'll you on our sure page. I'll make sure to do that. Riley. Um, Ooh, Riley. Riley that, being very spicy. generous. Bengals 33-14. Mick, who you got? I don't know. I'm just gonna. I'll, I'll say mine in a minute. But Riley probably just said, "I think we're going to see the same performance as last week." But I'm going to subtract the points, so it's different. <laughs> Anyways, uh, is that your go, Riley impersonation? It kind of is. Uh, Bengals 31, Vikings 28. Ooh, high scoring game. I think it'll be a high scoring game. Uh, I kind of want. I, I'm feeling that this game's kind of a little weird in there. So because of that, Bengals 19, Vikings 16. I want some weird in there. Like I, I feel like a weird game needs a weird score. A lot of field 19-16. Maybe? Or maybe some missed extra points in there. Oh, maybe. Uh, uh, some two-point conversions that don't necessarily go the way. Uh, I feel like only weird safety? things happen on Saturdays. Exactly. That's why I'm feeling so. I'm saying 1916 Bengals. We're all picking the Bengals. I know Frank, he said Bengals 24-17. Riley 33-14. Tommy Bengals 22-13. Chase Brown breaks out big due to the blitzing, he says. Uh, Good point on the score. He'll send my cash out. Or good for something, Tommy. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Uh, that'll wrap us up though here for this. Uh, Mick, do you have any parting thoughts before we wrap up? Do what Zach Taylor says, and uh, yeah, that's all I've got left. Two day guys, Tommy. I hope you're coming too. I know you had mentioned that you were coming. Oh yeah, to Minnesota Tommy. Game. I hope you're. I hope you are coming because uh, we haven't seen you all season long, and it, and plus you can bring the RV and just just park it at Bengal Gyms. I don't pick anybody. I've mind. got a guy who's who who may have a parking spot available down there, Tommy. Oh, he sells it for like two fifty or something like that. He oh. might have sold them. Might have sold them. I don't know. But still, he he's got a guy. So uh, you two hook up and go with that. Make sure to follow us on our social medias: uh, Jungle Juice Facebook, YouTube, uh, the WDN Today Facebook page. We're streaming live there. Subscribe to us as well on your favorite podcast platform, Spotify, iTunes, all of the different ways, so you make sure that you don't miss any of the episodes for that. Hoot, hey, Frank. Appreciate you joining us every single week. Uh, So that'll wrap us up for this week. uh, Next week's show, too, we want to make sure that we mention we'll be on Tuesday. Uh, We're going to move it up a week because of uh, I have a a conflict next Wednesday and then also with it being Saturday and Saturday it just kind of makes sense to move everything up since everything else will be moved up a day so next week's show will be on Tuesday at uh, 8 Eastern so we'll see you then um, as it'll be our final show before the Christmas holiday yeah Merry it's been Christmas fun. guys it's, yes it's been fun I'll say that next all. week too but Merry yeah, Christmas I mean, guys. Merry Christmas maybe our Christmas gift can be wins against the Vikings and the Steelers Really, that latter would make me even happier going into the Christmas season because that's you got, it, really you got it three years ago. Might as well do it again. Yeah. Yes. Let's do it again. 
Uh, that'll wrap us up for this week. We'll see you next week on Tuesday for another edition of the show of Jungle Juice. Who day? Who day? Thanks for watching.